As I entered the three or four block radius encompassing what had become the George Floyd Memorial, I realized that this wasn't even a memorial yet. This is where it was still happening. This was the ceremonial headquarters of the Black Lives Matter movement. I felt that by being there, not that I was visiting a monument, but that I was participating in something historical. I felt fortunate to be able to come pay my respects and humbled by the great minds who had come here to discuss the future of the movement and the future of the country. I'm Giulio Gallarotti, and this is Pack Light Season 1, A COVID-Friendly Road Trip. You really notice the little things when you spend enough time alone, and I intend to walk you through every little detail of the trip. These are my free-flowing thoughts as I drive around the country. At the end of the episode, there are more details about where to find pictures, links to music, and some other cool stuff. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the last day of the ride. Minneapolis was definitely banged up from all the commotion. Things were closed. The downtown felt kind of like a ghost town, a combination of COVID and civil unrest, I imagine. And this was, to a degree, the epicenter for both. COVID cases were exploding, and obviously protests had ripped the city apart. Even though I had a car, I decided to keep it parked because I had heard, and also saw on Google Maps, that about a four block radius in every direction was closed down around this so-called memorial. So I figured rather than risk it, I would just Uber around. I wanna say that at least 50% of the houses on the drive over to the area had justice for George banners and signs on either their windows or on their homes. I thought it was so nice that a community could come together after something so embarrassing and terrible happened in their backyard. A backyard that's typically very left-leaning and accepting. I was just thinking back to the guys talking in South Dakota at the bar of the restaurant, and how one of the guys was talking about how he hated the politics of the Twin Cities. And I was just wondering what he meant. I'm sure maybe he was talking about the looting and just the liberal nature of the city maybe, but like how could this movement be bad? Certainly not every single person involved in the rioting and looting had noble intentions, but what does that have to do with the politics of the entire city? You know, I don't know. I'm kind of like putting thoughts and words in this guy's head now, but I'm assuming he was talking about the aftermath of what had happened once the riots began. That's what his tone seemed like. Who knows, maybe he wasn't, but I have a feeling he was. But anyway, all I know is once I arrived, all I saw were things that gave me hope for the future. It was about 20 bucks to get to the site from the hotel. Upon arriving, I was immediately greeted by a woman in a tent with a mask on, asking me, Would you like some hand sanitizer before visiting the monument? I said, sure. At that point, I crossed over into the memorial area, and I was immediately blown away. One thing that I noticed before all the murals and paintings and chalk and flowers and profound written messaging, but before I noticed all of that, I actually saw people gathered, sitting in circles, talking about race in America. Like the way that they used to in the days of Socrates, like people getting together to discuss the current state of whatever topic. In this case, among other things, race. There was a feeling of a ground zero, 
Like this is where it happened. The big bang, which led to a global outcry for equality and justice and accountability that highlighted systemic problems in the country and where your peers demanded you to speak up. It wasn't okay to sit by and watch anymore. At the gas station, the Speedway, across from the famous Cup Foods where the George Floyd video was filmed, there were literally people sitting in a circle, taking turns, discussing matters of race, making points, listening, all that. All ages, races, genders, it was really cool. I had never really seen anything like this before, at any memorial. And maybe it was because the wound was still so fresh, but it seemed very unique. It's also unclear if this was a function of the COVID lockdown, but I had never seen a monument that encompassed an entire neighborhood like this before. All the retail boarded up and closed, graffitied, and all specifically referring to race, George Floyd, American culture, and the like. Along the ground next to the Cup Foods was a long, long list of names of past victims of police brutality. Some names very recognizable and others much less so. And the names appeared to be in chronological order. Beyond one of the first street blockades I walked by was a giant statue of a fist, presumably the Black Lives Matter logo, made of metal, it looked like, surrounded by flowers. People were there to pay their respects, or maybe for the excitement of being part of something bigger than themselves. But some of these people looked like they were coming out here every day to have discussions about our country and the future of our country. Like, who knows? Maybe some of these people will end up becoming our elected officials someday. On the side of one of the buildings, painted purple, with big white writing read, You change the world, George. Under the Speedway sign with the price of gas and the price of coffee read, George Floyd Square with letters posted the way they post movie listings on the marquee at the movie theater, with the missing letters graffitied in. There were people crying. It felt the same way it feels to visit memorials of other tragedies. Like when you're a kid and they take you to any commemorative museum of a tragedy. The teacher tells you, okay guys, like people might be getting emotional, so you need to make sure that you stay respectful. But then you actually see it, and it still takes you by surprise. And you're just kind of like, not sure how to act. I felt the same way today, except I didn't really have anyone to tell me what I was getting myself into by coming here. But seriously, everywhere you looked, there was just powerful stuff going on. Like in front of the Cup Foods itself was a big velvet rope around the area where the event must have taken place. Flowers everywhere. A big black and white mural of George Floyd to the left of it all, right next to a Western Union sign. In front, the name Floyd written in chalk as an acronym. From tragedy, love must prevail, our cry, your tragedy, demands change. It was humbling, powerful, emotional, like just such a crazy experience that I'll never forget. Like my heart was really pumping. I was like feeling hot. Like, you know, the way when your blood rushes to your head, like it was kind of like an out-of-body experience almost. You know, it was really, uh, I don't even know. Like, I, I guess I just described it there, but it's a thing that's hard to describe. And it really felt like, you know, it had just happened. It was such a new thing that it was really special to be there, to be honest. It was, re it was really cool. And I, I think one of the coolest parts about it was that it was just an unexpected experience. I didn't expect to have much more excitement before arriving in Chicago. Given the nature of the chronology of my trip, this was the perfect place to end. With the content I'd been listening to earlier in my journey in corresponding geographic areas, Seeing sites as a reminder of our nation's complicated and often dark past culminating in where we're literally at right now. 
And regardless of all we've been through, I really think it's fair to say that things are progressing. We have a long way to go, but I personally feel like there's reason for hope. And being here and seeing this and seeing people coming together and you know all that stuff, I don't mean to sound corny, but this stuff really just all gave me feeling of hope. I want to give credit to at Ali underscore M fall, A-L-I underscore M-F-A-L-L for the recommendation. It's truly one I couldn't have gone without. Also, thank you to everyone who offered any insight for places to stop. And hopefully you'll forgive me for not mentioning everyone because it would take way too long. And it's also hard to just keep track of everything. So thank you. I was pretty much ready to go home now. Last stop would be Hillary's house outside of Chicago. Lake Michigan during the summer literally looks like Greece. Like you could take a picture and ask people where it is and no one would guess Chicago. Minneapolis was likely the biggest city I'd been to on this road trip, which felt like a feat to me. Granted, this was a COVID road trip and the prospect of hitting big cities just didn't make much sense to begin with. But Minneapolis and the Twin Cities was definitely the biggest stop I had made and the city was definitely dead. I got a very talkative Uber driver who dropped me off in an area someone had recommended, but that I couldn't exactly figure out. There was supposedly some cool street art that I never found, so whatever, I just went to Starbucks. Next step would be to get the car and bang out a quick sight. I went to check out the Mississippi National River and Recreation Area. It was a pretty sight. I went down to the river for one second before going back up to the car. It was a lovely setup with a little park along the river. Like most recreation areas, it's hard to pinpoint one spot to go to because they weren't really intended for popping in to look and moving on. They're intended to be a place where you have a picnic and just enjoy the nature for the day. This particular location was in St. Paul, which is the twin, in case that wasn't obvious to anybody, because I know I didn't know that till recently, but like the twin cities are Minneapolis and St. Paul. So I was in St. Paul, which I'd never actually been to. So that was cool. It was also cool to see the Mississippi River again. The river that was so important to the significance of my trip in more ways than one. And basically how my trip started was now basically how my trip was ending. It felt like a nice poetic moment. I saw riverboats parked alongside the river, just assuming that that's a thing you do on the Mississippi River. And if you guys remembered, my dad had asked me about it earlier in the trip too. It definitely seemed much cooler to do down south, just saying. I drove by the impressive Cathedral of St. Paul, which is one of the largest cathedrals in the United States. Modeled after French churches in Paris, it featured a 186-foot high dome in the center. This was the second most beautiful center of worship I saw on my trip. The most beautiful would come in Wilmette, right outside of Chicago, which I drove by right before arriving at Hillary's, the Baha'i House of Worship. There are only a dozen of them in the country, and the Wilmette Center is the biggest one in the entire world. If you're thinking, Baha'i, what's Baha'i? Well, <laughs> this is what a quick Google search will tell. The Baha'i faith is a new religion teaching the essential worth of all religions and the unity of all people. Established by Baha'u'llah in 1863, 
It initially grew in Persia and parts of the Middle East, where it has faced ongoing persecution since its inception. The religion has three central figures. The Bab, considered a herald who taught that God would soon send a prophet in the same way of Jesus or Muhammad, and was executed by Iranian authorities in 1850. Then there was Baha'u'llah, who claimed to be that prophet in 1863 and faced exile and imprisonment for most of his life. And then there's his son, Abdul Baha, who was released from confinement in 1908 and made teaching trips to Europe and America. This is from the wiki page. You're probably like, I don't need to know this. That's probably true, but you now are probably the only person that you know who knows that. So <laughs> I hope it at least feels valuable for that reason. Basically to me, Baha'i is like Middle Eastern Mormonism. Both wonky new religions with like living prophets and gigantic churches. <laughs> there were originally three stops planned for today, not including George Floyd. One of them was a cave. There had been three or four caves that I planned to visit, but of course all of them are closed because of COVID. And thank God, honestly, because I had already severely overextended myself. So you know what that means. One more national park site stop. Last stop on the trip, the St. Croix National Riverway. I was gonna try to go check it out, hit a couple of cool scenic overlooks and then head to see Hillary. This was about 50 miles Northeast. So not completely out of the way, but definitely adding on a bit. The total trip today would be 455 miles, which with my final destination in sight, literally felt like nothing. <laughs> anyway, my original plan was to drive into Chicago to see the Pullman National Monument as my final destination but it just didn't seem like that was gonna work out. I was gonna get back too late if I did that. I figured I would just go another day when I had some free time, before I had to return the car. I had the car for a while because I had also originally planned for this trip to take at least 14 nights, and I had done it in 10. And I booked the car for 17 just to give myself some wiggle room, so now I just had a car for a while. I was so excited at this point to see Hillary and her family. I was tired of the isolation and really looking forward to a family environment. But that was still a bit away. Right now, I was sitting on the edge of the St. Croix National Riverway. It was actually kind of hard to get a good view of the river. I probably just didn't put in the best location. Also, for whatever reason, likely the 4th of July weekend, now that I think about it, there was a ton of traffic. So I was ready to get home. I stopped, took a picture through a somewhat dense forest situation, at what was supposedly a lookout point, got back in the car and crossed the border into Wisconsin shortly after. I was now sitting pretty at 48 states total with just Arizona and Alaska to go to complete my goal of visiting all 50. An hour later, I approached Shatek, Wisconsin, where I would make my final formal meal stop of the trip. The restaurant was called the Shatek Cafe and Meat Shop. It was basically a diner, but it seemed like the kind of diner that put in the extra 10% effort. The all-female waitstaff were all wearing t-shirts displaying the name of the restaurant, and everyone was in a really good mood. I asked one of the waitresses for a recommendation, and she and her colleague started arguing over what things I should order, like kind of playfully bickering with each other. It was pretty cute. Eventually, I ended up just ordering the broccoli bites and a gyro burger made of pork. It was pretty solid, kind of random, but solid. The broccoli bites were just breaded outside with broccoli and cheddar in the middle. Not exactly healthy. But the burger was pretty damn good, as promised. There were all sorts of funny ad signs scattered around the diner for like local services. 
For example, one of them read this. Firewood for sale. Dry oak cut and split. Approximately 18 to 24 inches in length. Face cord, $85. Campfire wood. Mixed birch, white, papal, pine, elm, face cord, $60. U-Haul. Ask for Norbert. <laughs> Love it. Also, let's not underestimate the fact that that is literally a different language to me. No clue what's going on there. I just know it involves wood. I also figured there's a chance that if you know that much about wood, you can just cut it yourself. But I guess this was a diner and maybe the ad was targeted towards the elderly, I don't know. Look at our boy Norbert with the targeted ad strategy. <laughs> That's something Hillary might say. She works in ad sales. She wouldn't say your boy Norbert, but the targeted ad strategy part. <laughs> Shatek was a nice little town with a downtown strip with predominantly mom and pop stores. I stopped at the Shatek Bakery to buy some pies to bring to the in-laws. I got a strawberry cheese pie, which was basically a cheesecake, and a damn good one. An apple pie and a blueberry pie. Of course, making sure there were no nuts in it. Hillary, as you all know by now, is literally deathly allergic. We recently had our Valentine's Day dinner comped because they accidentally served her hazelnut gelato. The waiter was literally sitting in the corner crying. <laughs> Fortunately, she didn't have a reaction. I guess... Hazelnuts are lower on the totem pole, but just to give you an idea of how allergic she was, the waiter was crying. He was literally crying. <laughs> the previous winter, she had a bite of cashew butter by accident and had to go to the hospital and be put under during the second wave of anaphylactic shock. That, okay, that's the last I'm going to talk about Hillary's nut allergy, but everybody please pray for my girlfriend. She, she's really, she's very fragile. It's just scary shit. Anyway, the pies were all incredible. Outside of the bakery, I saw one of the sweetest dedications I've ever seen. It was a bench, and on the bench, in big letters read, In Memory of Gladys and Tony Yudish, from their sugar plum. I imagine that must have been their daughter, but I can't imagine walking by that as the sugar plum herself and not just weeping uncontrollably. Anyway, very, very sweet dedication, sugar plum. <laughs> very sweet indeed. For the long drive to the Chicago area, 351 miles would take around five hours and change. On the highway, I saw a sign that said, you're not a firework, don't drive lit. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's funny. Now we have millennials writing the copy for government funded messages. It just sounded like a hook to a song or something. Don't drive lit. Hey, don't drive lit. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was the anxiety of the trip nearing its end, but I found myself kind of hungry an hour or so later. I stopped to get gas and a car wash because I could barely see through the windshield because of all the splattered bugs on it. It gets to the point where you can pull a muscle using that little gas station courtesy window wiper thing, trying to get these damn bugs off. It was an interesting setup that was new to me, but I'm sure is familiar to other people. But you can literally pay for the car wash at the pump. And I think you go and get the receipt inside and scan it or something, I'm, I'm not really sure but there are no humans involved at all once you actually use the car wash. It had been a while since I'd gotten one, 
And if it isn't obvious, I don't own a car. So I'm sorry if it sounds like I live under a rock. I considered getting a six inch sub at Subway, even though I had just eaten lunch. I get in line for a second. Now, it's one of those subways that's inside the gas station, if that wasn't obvious. There's a lady ordering multiple sandwiches, all with mayo on them, with the friggin' squirt sound from the mayo bottle, mixed with how these little droplets of mayo were just flying all over the sandwich area. That was just enough for me to call it quits on Subway for the rest of my life. I've literally never eaten Subway since then, and I may never eat it again. So I didn't get any food. But an hour or so later, I started really craving Dairy Queen. Does that ever happen to anyone? Like, I don't know why. I feel like Dairy Queen is the best ice cream that exists anywhere on earth, period. Just just my take, but it really is just a superior experience. Now, I mean, maybe not being in the store itself, but just eating the ice cream, incredible. So I created a game for myself. If I saw a Dairy Queen, I would stop. If I did not see a Dairy Queen, I would not stop again. And I would have to drive the remainder of the way without stopping. And it was so funny. Like I kept thinking I saw one coming and got really excited, but it kept ended up being a Pizza Hut. Like the logos are similar enough that from far away, you can't tell. And it was just such a disappointing feeling. It must've happened four times. It was like the modern equivalent to being lost in the desert and thinking you see an oasis of water, but it just ends up being nothing. But then finally... At exit 108A on I-94 in Portage, Wisconsin, I found that goddamn Dairy Queen. And I ordered a small Oreo Blizzard, which anyone who knows anything about blizzards knows that the mini is in fact the small, and that the small is at least a medium. Classic American sizing. But it was incredible. And then when I walked out, some kid approached me and actually recognized me for my podcast, which was the first time this had happened on this trip. I snapped a pic with him real quick. And it's funny, if people don't realize this, it makes your day in entertainment if you aren't famous and people ask you for a picture to the point where you kind of want the picture too, but it's too weird to ask for the picture. <laughs> but fortunately, he tagged me on Insta. It should be somewhere in my tag photo still if you guys feel like taking a deep dive. But anyway, midway through the blizzard, I was already sad that it was about to be over, which is an emotion that I've tried to get rid of when I'm eating unhealthy food but it's just really hard to not feel that way. Like midway through eating it, I'm already thinking about what sinful snack I can eat next instead of just enjoying the rest of what I have in front of me. Anyway, I ate the blizzard while I was sitting in the car and then I went back into the gas station to throw it out. I didn't want to have garbage if I didn't need it, you know? But at this point, I'm just hyped that the trip is almost over. I had done it. Barring some unfortunate event, I did it without messing up the car or getting a flat tire or anything. The biggest setback was having to get an oil change that I didn't even have to pay for. It was just 173 miles to go. I would soon cross the border into Illinois. Upon doing that, I had successfully visited 18 states, 17 of them in 12 days. I had successfully visited 30 national park sites and an additional national monument. It had been an incredible trip. I had seen so much of what this beautiful and unique country has to offer. From the swamps of Louisiana to the Rocky Mountains in Wyoming, to the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, to the Great Lakes in the Midwest, the place where Martin Luther King started the civil rights movement in Atlanta, to the epicenter of what that movement looks like today in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I had seen so much 
and learn so much. And I was forever grateful. I hope that every single one of you have the opportunity to do something like this in your lives. And if not, I hope that you can feel like you did it by riding along with me all this way. As I pulled up to the driveway, Hillary was standing there waiting for me. I'm going to include a copy of the playlist I listened to along the way in the About section of the podcast so you guys can check it out. Also, make sure to check out the Instagram, Picks, for all the corresponding photos from each day. I'm also going to include a checklist of all the places that you need to go if you want to complete the same trip that I took. Special thanks and big shout out to Chris Casso, the producer, and anyone who sent any recommendations or suggestions during my trip along the way. Feel free to send me suggestions of where you want me to go next. If this thing gets big enough, I plan on doing many more of these. Thank you for taking this ride with me. I had a great time. I'm Giulio Gallarotti, and thanks for joining me for Pack Light Season 1, a COVID-friendly road trip. <laughs>